millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Women took their children out and walked for hours. Just walked around for hours because they couldn't stay at home. At first, it was a bit of a shock, like a shock to the system. You, you, you didn't go out past your gate. I didn't understand the way I was feeling. I just thought that I was the only person that ever felt like this. From the news team at Virgin Media Ireland, this is Room 631, Ireland's COVID crisis. I'm reporter Zara King. This six-part podcast series contains the unheard tapes from the Virgin Media News documentary team. These episodes come from hours of footage taken during the making of our documentary, Ireland Under Lockdown. Throughout the series, we'll hear the thoughts of key decision makers who sat inside the walls of room 631 at the Department of Health and the voices of the people whose lives were changed by those decisions as a global crisis unfolded in their homes. I remember thinking to myself, it was so sad that they got me as a mother. My name is Yvonne Murray and I live in Tower in Cork. So there's no shame in admitting that you're not feeling right, but I know myself at the time, I didn't understand the way I was feeling. I just thought that I was the only person that ever felt like this. So I had my second daughter, Roisin, back in October 2019. Um, And January of this year, I was diagnosed with postnatal depression and anxiety. And coupled with therapy and medication, I was doing a lot better, quicker than I ever thought that I could feel a lot better. And then the pandemic hit and everything changed. On the news today tonight, it's a level five, six-week lockdown. Significant and indeed quite shocking the degree to which these measures have been escalated, as we were saying. The bulk of the population has to observe the stay-at-home advice. Except for Friday, like no other, the country remains on lockdown as restrictions on the movement of people are to be extended until May the 5th. And for you, was it lockdown that kind of triggered a lot of the feelings you had been feeling initially in January? I just wasn't feeling great. I was feeling sad. Um, I just, I remember thinking to myself, and it's terrible looking back on now. It was so sad that they got me as a mother. And to even think that, I can't believe that was me thinking that. Now, I still get anxiety attacks now, and I'm still kind of up and down. But that was a really, really low point for me. But I have come a long way. I... I still not 100%. Um, the anxiety is definitely still there um, and, st- and it's still something I'm working on. Um, seeing the therapist and back on the medication and it's probably something I'm going to have to work on for a while. But I'm more aware of the signs if an anxiety attack is coming on. Um, I'm more aware if I'm feeling low, what it is that is not 
me as a mother is just my mental illness at the moment and I think the more we talk talk about it the more open people will be and to realize that they're they're not alone in the way they feel now I personally I can only speak for myself and share my story and with my postnatal depression and anxiety and I know that other um, people have different forms of it so I can only all I can do is share my story and hope that with me sharing it I can help someone else that might feel that they're alone but I was I thought I was alone but I was never alone I just didn't realize it and you mentioned you touched on it already I mean do you worry you worry about the future you worry about what's kind of coming over the next few months oh yeah definitely like I'm, I'm probably a natural born worrier but then with the anxiety and what it um like everyone craves for the day for it to return back to normal I certainly do and you just worry are we going to go keep going into this cycle of lockdown back to semi-normal lockdown like where is the line going to be drawn if we're going to have to live with it with for another few years down the line then we can't keep doing what we're doing and it kind of defeats the purpose if we're locking it down and then opening it up just to see the figures rise again and going back into lockdown um i have no answers i i am always worrying about tomorrow let alone next year um I have tried really hard with these restrictions and what's asked of me and I don't think anyone has I, for me I probably haven't given a hundred percent but I have definitely tried and it's just a minority of people that haven't put in the effort and who's to say where we would be now um but I'm I would definitely worry about the future because it's unknown um, and for my mental health as well it keeps going around in circles that I'm doing really really well and then all of a sudden I'm hit by anxiety and everything is not going right and questioning how good I am at being a mother and providing for them in this pandemic like what what are we doing other than going for a walk around the block you know it's it's tough and then with my job as well being back I think it would have helped me a lot still being in the office um, than working from home even just for my mental health regardless of trying to get on top of things again so there's a lot of different factors and I know for one there's a lot of people in worse situations for me um, but it, it, it is tough, it's a tough time for everyone. Deirdre Waters, Head of Communications, Department of Health. People were telling us about how they're feeling from a, from a mental perspective, how they were reacting to, to the restrictions. We know that for people who are newly unemployed, it was really, really tough, especially for anybody who is newly unemployed and didn't have a partner and was living in their home on their own, not being able to go out, not being able to meet with their mates. It was really, really tough for them. So we have known, and, and people have been telling us the whole way through, how they're thinking and feeling about this pandemic. And yet Yes, that's played into uh, it's, it plays into our effort on a, on a weekly basis and it plays into our thinking it plays into our decision making constantly I don't know what way my hair is it's all over the place you look lovely know. you look really lovely I promise and <laughs> um, so just your full name first for the tape okay Geraldine Murphy great and uh, Geraldine how long have you been retired 
I'm retired. It'll be 10 years next month. At first, it was a bit of a shock, like a shock to the system. You, you, you didn't go out past your gate. You just didn't go. And so I was trying to exercise walking up and down the hall and into the, into the front garden. Fortunately, the weather was good. I went through a period of, of feeling pretty down. And every time I'd get down, I'd say, look, my parents and grandparents got it much worse than us. They had wars and all sorts of things happening. And, you know, here we are, sit on the couch and watch TV, you know, get real. So I'd have to talk to myself very sternly. It's been such a massive shift from what you've been used to. Your life has completely changed. Yeah, it was a complete turnaround. Um, yeah, I, I found it very difficult in the beginning. Um, and uh, then after a week or so, I can't remember exactly when uh, Mass on the... Uh, we have a, a camera in the church and Mass on the internet. The priest announced that there'd be no Easter. And it just kind of hit me because I'm involved in the choir. We have a big choir of about 60. We're like a huge family. And uh, when he said that, it just, I, yeah, I, that, that got me. Uh, and I, I was a bit tearful over that. And that kind of brought it into reality. And uh, the whole thing extended from there. So, um, but then you kind of, it, 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 it kind of hits you gradually. Yeah. Uh, when it hits you, what is that sort of realization? It's, it's, um, it's a sort of loneliness, you know, because um, none of my friends are within five kilometres. My close friends uh, are within five kilometres. They're all a little bit further. And so uh, if I want to do anything, it's over the phone or over the Zoom or whatever. And it's been difficult because a lot of people over 70 will say, I've always been so active like yourself and this has been a real life changer. I mean, you're probably having those conversations with your peers and with your friends. What yeah. are you hearing from them? And with myself. Absolutely. And I suppose, what are you hearing from them and how are they actually feeling? Are they feeling lonely and isolated at this point in the pandemic? Yes, they are. Um, they're, they're being very, some are being very strict with themselves and not moving out at all, going for the walk, coming back, the same walk, the same thing, um, and being extremely careful and not having anybody into the house, even when it was allowed. Others are um, trying to be somewhat normal and live with it and only have part of their family come as a bubble to them and the other part of the family are kind of annoyed that they're not able to come but really they're trying to abide by the rules and it's extremely difficult. And can I go back to that point that you made when you say we're told we're a vulnerable group, how do you feel when you're when you hear that kind of narrative spoken about yeah, you and your peers? That, that kind of like I never felt old, uh, age was a number and this has made me very conscious of my age. I wasn't conscious of it before. In fact, I used to give out to my brother and say, what's wrong with you? You're only 80. Um, you know, age wasn't, uh, wasn't important. But, um, and I used to think, well, 70 is the 50 and 80 is the old 60. And I'm fine and I'm grand and I'm healthy, thank God. Uh, but now you start looking at everything and a lot of friends, although they didn't have... Uh, COVID. A lot of friends or acquaintances or people I knew have passed away and have died. And it just makes you very conscious of your vulnerability because you've been told you're vulnerable. And uh, so it, 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 it did kind of strike you. Um, really, I wasn't too happy hearing it, but I thought, well, I, bet, I better sort of abide by things because they are trying to help us. 
But then as it went on and they were saying, well, next time they came and you're vulnerable again. And I thought, well, wait a minute, we've never really come out of that. Stop telling us we're, we're that vulnerable. Stop telling us to stop doing things because we, we actually didn't start doing them at all. We didn't. Most people in my age group try to um, contain themselves and, and not move around much and only go for certain walks, even when people were released. So we are very aware of where we're at and the dangers of it all. And uh, I think this time that they, uh, you know, the, the, the October, November time of telling us to do what we feel is right almost, I think that is a much more intelligent way of approaching it because we know what we're about, we know where the, where the problems are. And uh, the fact that we can bubble with a group and that we can use our own intelligence to understand how to to uh, attack this thing, you might say, or to live with it. Um, that's a better approach for us. And has it changed how you um, perceive the dangers in the world and, and I suppose the threat that is out there in terms of the virus? Does, does all that, your perception of things change when you're told, oh, you're over 70, you're in a vulnerable category? Does it sort of change your mindset in a way that you probably didn't anticipate it would have changed before? Well, yeah, it does. It, it, it makes you conscious of your age uh, when you wouldn't have been before. Prior to this, uh, age was just a number. Um, in my 70s now, I thought I was, felt like I was in my 50s and I didn't worry about it. But when I was told I was in my 70s and I was vulnerable, I stopped and I thought, well, oh, I'm, I'm vulnerable. I better, oh, I had to consider myself as vulnerable. Uh, and and I, I, I did actually take it on board. And I find that most people in my age group are doing that. And they're, they're realizing that they're, they're, that they are in a vulnerable age group when they, they never felt vulnerable before. And now they feel that, uh, well, they have to be careful and they have to do this, they have to do that, yeah. It's not about dying with it, it's about living with it. We've got to make ourselves aware of how we can do it well and enjoy it and be ready for when it's over, because it will be over. Yeah. And next year we look back, next year we look back and we'll say, did that really happen? Well, I've kept a diary so I can read it up. <laughs> Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The battle against COVID in healthcare settings is an ongoing one. But for the general public, the first line of defence is to simply stay at home. But for some, home is not the safest place to be. Was that the first time? 
been on your It's been really tough to say that it's been a very poignant and difficult time for all of the frontline workers is you know, an underestimation of the impact, um, obviously from the helpline perspective. But what we didn't really anticipate was the level, the increase of calls. And we knew that women would be absolutely terrified um, to find themselves locked in with their abuser. The sheer helplessness and hopelessness in the majority of callers that we supported through the time um, was very sad, very sad. When you talk specifically about the issue of domestic violence, we now know and we have the data. Uh, in the earlier days, we had you know, the, the strong sense coming from Angarda Shikana that they were getting called to more of these kinds of uh, circumstances. We feared that those, those realities would, would arise for, for some women and for some families in difficult situations. Uh, where the use of, for example, alcohol and so on would become a domestic rather than a public thing and all of this was more under the carpet and, and harder to see. My name is Sumi Don. I'm a GP in Port Arlington. And another, another example that we have in the documentary of just how lockdown affected people was in terms of protecting women and families and domestic violence. So we've heard um, anecdotes and stories, I guess, of, of women who found themselves in a situation where the abuser was weaponizing COVID-19 and deliberately maybe not washing hands, horrific events where they would have been people cough into their face. You know, there was a lot of sort of really difficult um, anecdotes about that. Were you seeing uh, an increase in people asking for help? We, were, we certainly did see uh, through phone calls. We did see uh, a lot of women, not just women uh, and men, you know, that were struggling at, at home. Uh, with partners. We were also very cognizant to stay in touch with people that we had previously known possibly to have had issues, either with a phone call to say your prescription is due uh, and use that as a conduit to a conversation, uh, or even asking one or two to come in specifically, knowing that that small amount of time in general practice is a safe place. Uh, and kept emphasising that general practice is a safe place, it's a safe place to talk. Uh, we will listen, we will support you, we are here for you, you know, we believe you. Uh, and to keep saying the same thing. But what we do know is that a lot of our people that have experienced domestic violence, it takes multiple presentations before they actually feel that they can say something. And quite often you felt that the conversation was going to open up and then there could be a door opening that you could hear on the phone and then the conversation re retracted back. So very aware, very cognizant, very tough. Uh, and again, we were mindful that home was not a safe place for a lot of people. Anytime you feel that you want to pick up the phone, just give us a call. Linda Smith, the National Helpline Manager with Women's Aid. We would have seen um, in the first three months anyway of the pandemic a 43% increase of contacts to the helpline. At the time there was a two kilometre zone that you couldn't go beyond. Women took their children out and walked for hours, just walked around for hours because they couldn't stay at home. We had older women calling 
whose um, husbands would have been always abusive um, in their married life um, and just again because of the lockdown just being stuck with that person day in day out 24 hours a day seven days a week it just exasperated and amplified the abuse that they would normally experience um, it's the lock-in it's literally the lock-in not being able to go to visit family or friends not to just go to the shops for a few hours you know uh, just to do the normal things that would just take them out of that situation um, yeah it was just ever present the threat and the abuse was ever present so um, women what we didn't expect were women calling us to say that they'd been out of the abuse for years hadn't seen their abuser for years but the lockdown replicated being controlled being isolated can't move here can't go beyond two kilometers can't visit friends um, it really triggered the feelings of the abuse and that was something that we did not anticipate and what struck me there was when you spoke about the idea of women taking their children walking out of the house and sort of walking aimlessly around their two kilometers all day just to get away from the abuse in the house yeah and like women will you know they'd get into their car they'd drive they'd sleep in the car overnight if that's what they had to do to keep themselves safe do you know um women weren't weren't feeling that they could go to family or friends and that they wouldn't go to family or friends because they didn't know if they were going to spread the virus do you know if they had it or you know, I mean, that was the whole um, objective to going into lockdown, that we'd suppress the spread of the virus. So people really f took that seriously um, and it, it wasn't an option to go to family or friends. So if they had a car, they'd stay in their car. Abusers were weaponizing COVID-19. Yeah. yeah. That's, you know, uh, that's yeah. a whole new way of, that's a whole new wave and a whole new form yeah. of abuse. That a new type of abuse. Yeah. yeah, definitely not, you know. Um, and I suppose for women with disabilities, it was at their most vulnerable, you know, and still no let up in abusing that person or exposing the kids to that abuse, you know. Um, it was just really difficult for women on every level, you know, even financially, you know, they wouldn't be able to, they weren't allowed to go to the shop. He'd go to the shop. Um, he wouldn't wear a mask. He wouldn't wash his hands women who had uh, rung us with disabilities or, you know, had underlying conditions would say that, you know, he was using COVID to put, put her at risk, like coughing at her, spitting in her face, um, just deliberately not washing hands, not, you know, not being hygienically clean around, you know, what we were asked to do, basically. Um, so women felt very um, attacked on all fronts, really. And was there ever a point when you're taking these calls and you're listening to these women in very dangerous situations that you're frightened for them? We don't need a pandemic for that, I'm afraid. Um, we get calls from women who are, you know, in serious danger of being murdered, being killed. Um, women have told us that, you know, that he, he's told her you'll you'll die I'll kill you and no one will ever find your body do you know um 
just is not exceptional in pandemic, unfortunately. Um, and sometimes just the mere threat of that is enough. That person need not be physically violent, may have access to firearms, may have a baseball bat just beside the couch, just to let her know that that's there, that weapon is there, and I will use it if I need to use it. Those options for us, which would be a next go-to option when physical threat or danger or an escalation of risk to the women or children were very present, that that really wasn't an option because of the guidelines, the COVID-19 guidelines. We definitely noticed a huge increase in women who are feeling suicidal, feeling that there's no way out of this. I'm not going to be able to get out of this. And, you know, if I don't do something, he's going to kill me. So it was that serious. Home is not the safest place to be for some women. And at the very beginning of lockdown, we'd heard from the Gardaí that they would prioritise, it would be an absolute top-line priority for domestic violence calls. Did you see that happen? We did. We experienced huge support from the guards, which is great. For us, um, as a frontline service, we encourage women to contact the guards daily. Do you know, um, if you're in fear or if you're in danger or if your safety's compromised or you're worried about the kids, contact the guards. Um, they'll respond, you know, and their assurance gave us the assurance to, you know, ensure that women really did reach out and had trust and confidence in the guards that when they called, they would get a rapid response, you know, and yeah, we had very good feedback um, from women that the guards were really helpful and supportive, which was brilliant. And finally, Linda, there will be women who'll be watching this tonight who might recognise some of the things that you've spoken about and it might be just a moment of realisation for them that actually what they're experiencing is some form of abuse. What would you say to those women this evening? If somebody recognises, you know, that they might be in an abusive relationship, is it's, it's okay to say, I think I am in an abusive relationship, but I'm not 100% sure. I think that's a question that a lot of women ask but aren't sure whether it is uh, domestic abuse, domestic violence. A lot of women do not associate um, domestic abuse with emotional abuse or psychological abuse, coercive control, but it most definitely is part of the service, the specialist service that we offer. But I think the biggest thing is that women do not feel further isolated through COVID, that if they do and if they can make a call or link in with the instant messaging service is to have that outlet and to own that that outlet for yourself because you deserve it. You deserve to get the support, to feel heard and believed. And yeah, you're not on your own. There's lots of women out there who are probably experiencing exactly the same thing that you're experiencing right now. Um, and I think the first step is the hardest is to reach out. But when you do, things will become clearer and better, hopefully. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.